and welcome to the Spiritual 9 to 5 podcast hosted by myself, Marie Groover of The Corporate Psychic. Today's episode is a bit of a bonus. It's the continuation of a conversation with Ray Dohar. In it, we solve all of the world's greatest problems (laughs) and we have a little fun while we're at it. If it resonates, like, share, follow, and drop us a line to say hello. You've done so many different things <laughs> and you've also done so many different things in coaching specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, like looking back at old podcasts, you called yourself a sex coach. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes when we'll talk you, say I was a relationship coach. Um, mm-hmm. And I know that really the coaching has probably generally stayed the same right at the core and just the way that we talk about it is different. But I am curious across all of your, your different experiences in life, in profession, in coaching, are there parallel themes that you see people struggling in? And can we talk about them? Right. What is humanity's fucking deal and why won't they get it together? Um, I want to start by saying I'm literally just a 35 year old weirdo queerdo with a BFA in acting and a bunch of unrelated certificates. Um, so who am I? You know, take this with so many, with the the grains of salt, the, the really big ones that I have to clean my cast iron with. Um, I, I genuinely do think that even though this is a word that has been like hijacked by this industry, I do think that one of the driving forces of pain and conflict is the felt sense of scarcity. When I live in a world where there is enough, I'm a lot less likely to need to withhold from anybody else. And beyond that, I am a lot less likely to need to make distinctions and delineations about what kinds of people who are worthy of being part of my in-group where I can share my resources and what kinds of people are not worthy of being in my in-group and sharing in my resources. I think that another common thread that bites us again and again and again is a deep need to prove and validate our worthiness because when we need to prove and validate our worthiness, we become unwilling to look at the really serious problems with whether it's our office or our economy or our continent or the nature of imperialism and the quote-unquote post-colonial era. When we look at the extent to which some people can win only because, if you zoom out far enough, a lot of other people have to lose, right? But when we are caught in this sort of quagmire of my worthiness is something external that needs to be proven to me over and over and over and over and over again, um, I'm really unwilling I'm really unwilling to look at any of those problems because I need to be focused on getting my next hit of worthiness. And that I think we do as individuals as much as we do as nation states. And finally, I really do. I know that I said it was my big moment, um, our willingness to abandon the one in us who needs us. 
in favor of, hey, whether it's, you know, taking a certain job in a certain industry that we might not agree with to make money because we need to support our family and we need to please our parents who told us that we needed to do this, or whether it's I need to go after this partner who I know is not good enough for me, but if he leaves me, I'm all I've got, or if it's the decisions that we make on a much larger scale, um, you know, who the fuck am I to say? But, you know, a lot of a lot of emotional intelligence is is understanding pattern recognition. And these are, I can say some patterns that I think come up a lot and influence a lot of the way that the world uh, is and and we are in the world. I mean, all of this we do unconsciously, right? We don't realize that we're, we don't believe that we're worthy. We don't realize that there is abundance all around us. Whenever we're worried, we don't have enough of something. We definitely don't realize, like, I think if we were aware that we were self-abandoning, we wouldn't. Uh, most of the time, maybe we are, I think. hundred percent. Yeah. But, and um, also through a, a result of this ongoing scarcity, I want to make this very, very, very clear that the felt and visceral experiential reality of many people is that there actually is not enough. Mm-hmm. That said, that scarcity is manufactured scarcity. It is made as a result to drive these forces in the in the world. I'm not talking about the cabal or any elites. This is not conspiratorial. This is factual. Mm-hmm. Um, you are, this is what supply and demand, right? How do we, how do we make something more expensive? Well, we make people want it more than we will give it to them, whether or not it exists, right? We see this in so many industries across the world through time. Mm-hmm. And um, I want to honor for anyone who's listening and saying, I don't want to hear this shit again, this abundance, everything is abundant. What I'm talking about is the actual nature of nature. The planet is generative and life-sustaining. What we do with it might mean that there is not enough to go around the way that we are doing it. But if we were doing it another way, abundance is the nature of nature. And it can be very hard for people to separate, especially in capitalism, especially the way that mindset work and manifestation work and law of attraction, all that shit is used in the coaching and personal development industry now to hear that what I'm saying is different than a prosperity gospel that says, if you just, you know, accept Jesus, or if you just accept my coaching, then you'll be rich because God loves you. And saying that um, abundance is maybe not about accumulating more dollars in the bank. And I'm talking about a richer and more expansive abundance that just suggests that nature flows and life wants more life. And that's not necessarily the same as the way that we've experienced the relationship between ourselves, abundance, and lack through the lens of modernity and the culture that we live in. And I want to be very clear about that. So if you're not experiencing that in your life, as I, as I hinted at before, for many seasons of my life, neither did I. Um, And there's a deeper nature that is available to us that we have been at this point. I mean, we are complicit for some of us in, in certain ways, we're complicit in our own disconnection, but we were disconnected from at this point at birth, the abundance that is nature and the nature of nature. Yeah, thank you for that distinction. <clears throat> it is important and feels so necessary to acknowledge the felt and visceral reality because I still feel it <laughs> all the time. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so if you had to give guidance on any one of these three patterns that you've noticed <laughs> for anyone listening um 
where would you even start, right? Like if we're thinking scarcity, worthiness, self-abandonment, where do we begin? How are these things related to each other? And like, what's a practical thing that anyone listening can take away for say a mini or maybe massive transformation? Not that Honestly, we're offering that here, but. I think something that I, that I go to a lot is like out of your ass and into service. Just help how you can the way that you can. Mm -hmm. The reality is sometimes when we help, we still hurt, right? I live in uh, what is considered a poor country globally. I have lived in many and, you know, you hear stories of, um, to briefly mention abuse, it's not going to be graphic. If you want to skip forward 30 seconds, go ahead. But let's say, you know, a foreigner moves into a house and they start paying their housekeeper, who is a woman, uh, you know, double, triple the fee that a normal fee would. You think that's amazing. I'm like helping this like poor woman have dignity in her work and get paid a lot of money to do like not that hard of a job but then she goes home and her husband works in construction and he's really angry that you know she out earns him and he's really threatened by this and he maybe is violent toward her right or is disparaging toward her in some way right so sometimes when we help um we can't control similarly Similarly, there is, I'm not pro philanthropy by any means because it's undemocratic in nature. And it's often those who have um, giving to, you know, giving in the way that they want, not in the way that people need, but hey, there's philanthropy that's completely self-serving that maybe some of it really sincerely helps someone. And we can't really control the outcome, but if you wanna just live, if you wanna just live in the world, I find that um, getting out of my ass, getting out of my need to prove my worth through my intelligence by knowing the answer and just like helping someone, you know, who needs it. Uh, my husband doesn't like a cluttered environment, a dirty environment. As I said, our house is under construction and like he wakes up earlier than I do. So he goes to bed before I do. And like last night, I didn't know what to do. I felt, I, I hated that he was like, just stressed. I'm not, this is not a, this is not a dramatic situation. He was just like hated that our house, like we just moved into it. It's just a mess all the time. And like he went to bed and I stayed up and like clean the house, you know, they have to come back and do more construction. But for one morning he got to wake up with a clean house and like, Sometimes it just feels so um, the weight of the complexity of this human experience and also how much of humanity in the world that we're exposed to, those of us who like want to be exposed to it, um, we just want to shut down and like just help how you can where you can. I mean, that's, a, that's so silly. And sometimes who you need to help is you, right? And, and then the other thing that I actually just like think is the best advice that like exists is like, do you need a glass of water? <laughs> Just like have a glass of water. <laughs> oh, I love that so much. I think the amount of times I've <laughs> gone into intros introspective like spirals because I've been dehydrated, <laughs> it could not be counted actually. <laughs> Where I've like fully spiraled out, my like my life is ending, and I'm mad at everybody, and everything sucks. Um, and then I have a glass of water, and I'm like, wow this place is amazing. So I appreciate that. I also almost want to bring us back to this answer of get out of your ass and into service of just come back to the present moment. Something that one of um, my tarot teachers uh, said, said, once said, Lindsay Mack, she said, sometimes the medicine is just doing what's right in front of us. Sometimes the medicine is looking around and seeing the dishes are dirty. And so you, you go clean them, right? It's like that thing that grounds us back in the present moment. <laughs> where almost nothing else matters, right? Except for what's in front of us. And and that actually can be 
the exact medicine that we need that kind of leads to the next thing. And I think whenever we do come back to the present moment, it's the thing that grounds us, right? And if we can trust that if I go wash the dishes, I'm then going to know the next thing that it is I need to do and the next thing that it is I need to do. And I can trust that whatever's in front of me is exactly where I need to be. Um, that can be truly powerful as well. So thank you for that. And in the simplest way, is not that bowing to what's alive in you? Mm. <laughs> sometimes what's alive in you is pack your bags, Henry. That's my dog. We're moving to Vietnam. And sometimes <laughs> what's alive in you is like, I need to do these dishes. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So what are you working on right now? What is alive in you and what is alive in you right now? Cleaning my kitchen on loop. <laughs> um, seeing that everything that has been planted, and I'm talking literally the plants in my yard and the bamboo forest that we put in our atrium are going to live. My husband and I uh, are not uh, green well technically i've got one green thumb um if you're listening to this i i have uh, green nails on one hand <laughs> thumbs up um and reveling in what it feels like to let go of the last lingering residues of like what i thought i should be doing uh and just saying what i what i want to say and hoping that the people who um benefit from it will hear it and so for the people who are definitely benefiting from this <laughs> is there anything you would like to invite them into oh well i mean you can join us in emergent it's pretty good uh, I also offer one-to-one -one coaching. I'm rebooting an offer that I had in the past called Sex and Money about healing your relationship with both. I think that you'll find that there's some pretty interesting things in there that you won't find anywhere else. And, you know, I make a lot of free stuff around. You can find it. Ray Dohar everywhere. That's that's me. I'm I'm I think I'm in all like eight billion of us. I'm the only one. Oh wow. Yeah, I I mean, obviously can't confirm that because I don't know every person on this planet. However, I can say- Do you not? If you Google your name, you are everywhere. Well, I know that all the Dohars <laughs> on Facebook are my relatives, literally. Like people that I know, they're related to me. It's not a it's not a particularly common last name. And it's especially uncommon where my family is from, which is Mexico. And then before that, Lebanon. Um, mm -hmm. There's It's a little bit more common in Egypt. Um, but those, as far as I know, like are not- uh, my relatives that is wild um okay two just fun fun questions what are all the countries you've lived in all 11 of them um well the united states i'm from there france england germany well i live in mexico now um korea vietnam cambodia and then the three honorable mentions that I was there to study, which I still think lives, like I was there for a considerable period of time, uh, oh, India, so. Thailand, and the Philippines. How many languages do you speak? <laughs> I'm glad I speak English. Um, in different seasons of my life where I really put an effort in, you know, my Vietnamese was okay. Um, Korean, thankfully, is a phonetic 
language and so I can still like read it pretty easily but uh it, it, the honorifics in Korean are pretty challenging uh, my French was like serviceable it's actually like my university minor and then like I did my wedding vows in English and Spanish for my husband but like my you know none of my like languages are this is like the tragedy of being such a hyper specific communicator in English and and that so much of my self-concept is you know to talk about something betraying your self-concept um so much of my self-concept is that I am a very laser sharp witty intelligent cogent communicator and like I don't have access to that in other languages and so it can be really like painful for me and it can be really really challenging um, for me, luckily, like I'm still funny in all other languages because they're all laughing at me. Um, <laughs> but like I, you know, I linguistically I dabble, but I don't do anything, you know, that well. Mm. <clears throat> no, I love it. Languages, learning more language is something that has always intrigued me because the exact example that you brought in French, the d two different ways to know, I feel that there are so many concepts that we can unlock by just knowing them in different languages and just knowing the different con contexts that people use them um, can just bring us so much deeper into self. So I, I love and appreciate that. And I almost guarantee that you, you know so much more than you're even sharing. Um, okay, another fun thing. Can you rapid fire <laughs> list as many job titles as you've held <laughs> in your history of working? Okay, so growing up, my father, Father had a pawn shop and uh he was like a like, like a loan shark like he did like like payday cash advances uh and I worked for him uh obviously I was like a, a babysitter I worked at Jimmy John's I was a spinning instructor I worked at Starbucks at the Barnes and Noble Cafe proudly brewing Starbucks coffee um I was a tutor I helped people write essays also like I illegally unethically like when I was a teenager like help people write essays like help them just like cheat on their assignments but like <laughs> honey I got paid um I taught uh, at the Montessori school I have taught English I think a lot of people assume that when you go to Asia it's like to teach English but I actually went to Asia to teach singing uh, at a private arts high school I mean I taught English classes as well but I also like taught like singing English which was a little bit different I obviously I was a professional actor I was a stage actor I was a voiceover actor I taught children how to cook. I was a pro dom. I also used to do bondage workshops that like weren't said they were like in public. You could keep your clothes on and just like learn and practice and things like that. Uh, I did a brief foray into journalism. I like wrote some articles for my friend's publication. Um, I was a yoga teacher. I'm like forgetting all the big ones. Like I was a yoga teacher for like eight years and I like coordinated yoga retreats. I was the uh, organizer, like the event, event manager or like event planner for like a music festival once um <laughs> I uh was the apprentice for and I was uh, I mean it's paid work to uh, I was the apprentice for my um uh Tibetan singing bowl and Reiki master I live I lived with her in her home I was a massage therapist I also taught massage workshops not to like credential massage therapists but like I did that I was an Akashic reader you know I feel like I'm probably forgetting a, a lot actually this is but like so that's good. <clears throat> this is so good um okay last thing i promise in all of these different things that you've done titles that you've held from knowing you in this short but long time 
long felt experience that I've known you. I know it feels like so fucking long to be around me. I get it. It's, it's exhausting. amazing though. No, Imagine it's what it so feels good. like inside. <laughs> I want more. No, it's so good. Um, I can tell that integrity is so important to you. You yeah. even talked about just the importance of being very skilled and good at whatever it is that you do and you bring to the world. That mm-hmm. is so important to you. But how important do you think that this is for anyone out there that's dabbling with something new, that's getting ready to sell their services, that's starting their own business, that's starting a new job? Mm-hmm. Um, what do you recommend they do? Or how, yeah, like what's the felt experience? How can you share some of the things that you've done? And I ask this because I know that no matter how short of a stint you may have, um, you know, engaged in journalism, for example, I know that you did it 100%. I know that you did it with all of your heart. I already know that you did it with as much skill and precision and integrity that you possibly could. And so what I'm hoping that you can share with others is anyone who's, starting an endeavor, continuing an endeavor, trying something new, um, launching a business or, or just revamping a business, whatever, whatever anyone's doing, what, what can you offer them from your own experience for them to hone their skills even more for them to be the best that they can possibly be at whatever it is that they're doing? Yeah. You have to do it. You have to, (laughs) you have to, you have to, you have to do it. I was ready to be a journalist because I write all the time. And when you start writing more, you become more facile with the way that you write. And then you start like learning, sort of meta learning, like what does a journalistic piece feel like as compared to an academic piece, as compared to a piece on social media, as compared to, you know, different kinds of writing, different voices sort of germinate inside of you. And uh, I think it's really important that people find work that they are good at that they are excellent at and hopefully that is sustainable for them and also i know that that's not available to everyone and i want to be very clear that like i don't think i'm right i don't think you owe alignment to the world i don't think you owe perfection to the world i don't think you owe shit to humanity but if you are listening to this and it like it is a value for you like i think it's important that you do something that you're really masterful at and also the only way to attain mastery is to like keep doing it Um, also I want to acknowledge like the reality that I came from incredible, intense financial instability and I didn't have, oh, I ran a bakery. I didn't have, um, I didn't have options. Like I, I didn't, I had a degree that like, wasn't that useful in an industry that was hard to make a living wage. And I actually, I was a server for one day and I was fired because I was terrible at it because I cannot listen. Um, I'm very, very intelligent, but like, I cannot follow directions or maybe I'm not interested in following directions. I do not like, like taking orders literally from people. Um, And so, you know, I had to be very honest with myself. I had very limited resources and I had, you know, some strong skills and other skills that were not so strong. And I I didn't have a choice, but to like throw the kitchen sink at it. And I want to be clear. I'm not, I'm not being like, do what I did, pull yourself up by the bootstraps. Another funny thing, right? The, the bootstraps is, um, it's a joke. It's like from a piece of literature that's about climbing onto a horse and saying that like, if you're standing there and you pick up the strap of your boot, that you would lift yourself onto the horse. So this expression, pull yourself up by the bootstraps is supposed to be a joke because it's impossible. And so um, I, I'm not telling people, I'm not advising people to do that. I'm just acknowledging that like, I did not come from a lot of money. I, I came from a lot of like very niche education 
Um, and I just like used the skills I had however I could to make a living because I had to, not because I think that that makes me like a morally superior person. And I just want to, I just want to say that I've done so many things because like the option was like not survive. Mm, thank you for that. But when and I'm like the about- one kid that grew up and like my team won the physics Olympics in high school, shout out to Kara's dad. She helped, he helped <laughs> us a lot. He was an engineer and I really should admit that, but also like everyone's parents who could help were helping them. So like, I don't feel bad about that, but like we won the physics Olympics and I did really well academically. And like, I had the one dad on the planet that was like, but you're such a good singer. Why don't you go on Broadway or be on Saturday Night Live. So I had like the one like immig- like child of immigrant father, Lebanese Mexican yeah. dad who was like, you should definitely not pursue STEM. I, I, you should definitely not go to law school. I think you should be an actor. And uh, so I so I pursued that. But like, I spent a lot of my life wishing that like I had maybe like gone to real school, just, just to be clear about that. <laughs> oh, that is so fascinating. <laughs> So what I was going to say is it's like parallel to what you said earlier, when the stakes are higher, you act, right? You you just do when the stakes are higher. And I think that this is, I love this actually, that you were like, well, I wish I had gone to real school, quote unquote, I'm going to say quote unquote, real I don't school. actually real, like yeah. feel that I feel at peace with my life, but like there've been many times that I'm like, well, I don't know, what was that? I was a smart yeah, person. I, I just like, <laughs> oh, you're like, I could have done so much. Um, well, you're doing so much and yeah, I'm, yeah, I mean, you're at peace with where you are. I'm very happy that you, you are where you are. And I think it's so fascinating that how difficult it may be when we have all of the resources available to us, all of the options available to us, um, how difficult it can be in those situations to move versus I needed to survive. So I did. Um, uh, poor little people with so many options. Is anyone? checking on the well-resourced how are the privileged (laughs) (laughs) how much does it suck to just have it all yeah I mean you can't do what do you do with it right what do you do what do you do with all of it all that said I don't want to be insensitive to the variations of people's human experience and and um sometimes indecision can hit us however resourced or or privileged we are and um just move you know when i when i lived in saigon i tell the story so often i'm so sorry but it's really it's really good demonstration you know my friend sam she taught me to drive a scooter um and saigon driving in saigon is just like all the videos it's like frogger with your life but it's actually like when you're in it it's very simple um and sam told me like if there's space in front of you, just go. Don't look to your left. Don't look to your right. Don't slow down. Don't look behind you. Don't hesitate. You could get hurt. There's space in front of you. Just go and go mm-hmm. and go. And if you have to turn around, you'll turn around. If you have to stop, you'll stop. But just go. Like, I do just want to reiterate how grateful I am. And even earlier today, when you're talking about um, creating space for emergent and calling in quote unquote the right clients and bringing everyone together I literally this morning before this entire conversation happened I was on a call with one of my mentors um and just old friends who Mm -hmm. we were talking about the power of I I was actually talking on emergent and how grateful I am for the group and I was like this is the first like group coaching experience where I genuinely am super appreciative of every single person and the experience and everyone's cool right right like yeah I'm learning so much from every single being and I hate this because in most of my coaches, same, it's like, I love my coaches, but like, I do not vibe with their people. And like, if I make a friend or two, like that's so rare. Same. No, absolutely. Same. I usually don't sign up for group things anymore because of that. Hate a group hang. If I hate do, a group hang. 
right like not inviting anyone to my party no, i'm just kidding um but no i just want to say like, i so appreciate it it's been so good yeah it's just been so good and i just i appreciate you i appreciate the group i appreciate everything that you're doing i appreciate everything that you're about i appreciate the space that you create for us to all figure out who the fuck we are and what we're about so thank you Thank you for listening to this episode of The Spiritual 9 to 5. Details for finding and working with Ray are in the show notes. Don't forget to save and follow this podcast for more wisdom. And if it resonated, share it.